My name is NK Hutchinson, and you're listening to For Change Be Bold. Let's chat, let's laugh, because it's your time to start choosing you. Hello and welcome to For Change Be Bold. Today I have a special guest joining in on this week's episode to share more about her passion, mental health. Our special guest for today is Michelle Dickinson. Michelle is a passionate mental health advocate. She's a TED Talk speaker, a published author. Michelle has embarked on a journey to eradicate mental health stigma from her workplace. Michelle has, knows firsthand what it feels like to struggle with mental health after her own experience. Michelle has over 19 years of experience in the pharmaceutical world, and she is committed to improving the lives of youths. Hey, Michelle, how are you? And thank you so much for joining in on this week's episode. Great. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you so much for joining in. It's such a privilege to have you and to speak with you today, and especially on a topic that, you know, has been looked down for so long, uh, yeah. mental health, you know, especially um, in the different racial groups, you know, mental health is one of those things where they either hide it with their fate or their background. So I am just so happy to share this um, platform with you today. I'm grateful to be here. Thanks for having this important conversation. I think that we can make a difference just by, you know, having an open dialogue about something like mental health. Yes, that that is so true because I find that, you know, speaking more about it, you know, it opens the platform and the door for other people to share their story and to speak out about what they have been experiencing. So mental health is not just, you know, for one set of group, it's for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I find that when I talk to people from different ethnic backgrounds, Mm -hmm. they either say, okay, my faith, or this is what I believe in, or this is what I have grown up to, you know, do. Like I read my Bible, I pray, or I'll speak with my grandparents and, you know, that's how I, you know, overcome it. So Mm -hmm. Michelle, as a Mm -hmm. mental health advocate, what is one challenge that you have find amongst ethnic groups when you speak with them or if they come to you to say, oh, help me with my mental um, illness? Yeah, so it's really hard, right? There are different populations that certainly do not even embrace um, acknowledgement of mental illness, right? So, you know, when you look at at, um, just the general American public, for example, when you compare how much we do talk about it, which is very little, to those other ethnic backgrounds where it's not even acknowledged that it's something that should get any additional support beyond what you just shared, right? Talking to your loved one, um, praying, whatever it it may be. But I think um, we're at a space now where more and more, um, like I would say, different ethnic religious um, organizations are starting to recognize the prevalence of this and the, the need to create a new paradigm and have those open conversations. So I'm hopeful. I mean, you know, it's, it really starts with, um, it really starts with it being acceptable and it starts with the, the elders of that particular community, 
you know, acknowledging that, you know what, like maybe there are other support mechanisms that can, that can help loved ones, you know, in my family, in my community who need mental health support. So I think, you know, I think it's, it's certainly harder outside the U.S., but I, I mean, I have an example where a, a former colleague came to me and said, I want to embrace a conversation in my Indian community, in my church, but it is so taboo. So we, we actually built a strategy where she was going to engage the, um, the leaders of the church and the senior members of the church to actually get acceptance to have that dialogue within the broader community. Yeah. So, but she, but she was a change agent, right? So she was mm-hmm. someone who was really like, you know, we should be talking about this. So yes. it's possible. I just think it takes some courageous efforts to do something a little bit, um, you know, uncomfortable, but for the greater good, because you certainly don't want to hear people taking their lives because the way that they know to deal with it is insufficient. That's true. That's so true. Um, yeah. And we, we want to make sure that everyone is on the same page and, you know, we're not forcing, you know, it onto anyone, but we want to ease it on, you know, because, you know, that's their culture. That's how they were raised and that's how they, you know, think about doing things. So as you mentioned, you know what, you know, slowly leading on to them too. That's important. Yeah. yeah. So Michelle, you have spent years working on eradicating mental health stigma from your workplace. Can you share with us why this was so important for you? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting story. So I pretty much have the trifecta, I call mm-hmm. it, of mental health because I grew up with a mom who had bipolar disorder. So I really played the role of a child caregiver and I saw what it looked like to have a mental illness and to, to be at the effects of that as someone who had a loved one dealing. Yeah. And then last year, I, for the first time, and I was adopted, so I thought, oh, I'm not going to have to deal with a mental illness. This isn't in my bloodstream. Mm-hmm. But last year, a life event hit me, and I dealt with depression for the first time. And that was a very um, in-my-face reminder that nobody is immune to having a mental health challenge, right? Life events happen all the time. Yes. So, so that experience really humbled me into realizing, God, this is what depression is like, and this is how hard it is to navigate it. And then for the past two years, I was part of a leadership team that developed um, the largest, fastest growing mental health employee resource group within a Fortune 500 company. Um, and that was just an incredible experience because it was sort of like the philosophy, build it and they will come. Mm -hmm. Uh, the structure was put in place and so many people who had been affected by mental illness themselves or loved someone with a mental illness came forward and said, I want to help remove the stigma from my workplace because I know there are people in my workplace who need to feel accepted and, and okay being themselves at work. Nice, nice. And were your coworkers, were they accepting to the change? Was there any like, um, you know, individual who were saying, oh, I don't want to do this? Or were they all like, I'm willing to do this? You know, it's, it's very interesting. So it's kind of like shift. It's kind of like making the Titanic turn right. 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, it's a definitely not something that's going to happen overnight. Whenever yeah. you look to change a culture, culture yeah. changes take on average seven years, right? So, mm-hmm. so it was met with incredible support from senior leaders. It was met with over 2000 employees at the, you know, at the ground level, raising their hand and promoting awareness of the, of the ERG. Yeah. But then you had the middle managers and the middle managers, some of them embraced it and others we're not comfortable with it, right? If yeah. you have an, if you have no relationship or a negative relationship to mental illness, that bias is going to play it out in your professional and your personal life. So, um, you know, what I saw as a missing in that scenario is simply emotional intelligence and mental health awareness training for people leaders. So they could have been more supportive. And I think they're moving toward that now. Um, but, um, you know, it, it all comes down to a comprehensive mental health strategy for the workplace. You can't, you can't have a couple of pieces uh, missing because then you're not going to have the, the level of result that you want. That's so true. You won't have it. Um, it's, it's about like, you know, as you said, teamwork and coming together and, you know, everyone have to see it for themselves, you know, they mm-hmm. have to um, realize, okay, this is what I need. And by accepting it, then they can start making the changes that they want. We'll take a quick break right now to listen to our sponsors, and then we'll be right back. Welcome back to the episode, and we're going to continue our conversation with Michelle Dickinson. Right. So I was reading an article published by the CDC that one in six children ages two to eight years old have mental or behavioral or development um, disorders. Mm-hmm. What impact does um, these mental disorders have on the growth of these children as they you know, enter you know, their life <clears throat> and they start to realize, okay, this is what I have. What impact does it have on them? You know, even scarier to that statistic, I would venture to say the majority of those uh, children do not get care, do not get mm-hmm. adequate care, right? Okay. And mental illness develops very young in, in youth. So you, I mean, it's such a vulnerable space, whether or not they struggle with it, the duration of their life versus a- addressing it. Um, I think, you know, we're, we're, we live in a society now where schools are very much focused on uh, getting kids the academic curriculum that needs to be given. Mm-hmm. And more and more states are getting on board to create a mental health, um, pro, like a mental health requirement for schools so that yeah. they're starting to weave that into the health conversation, right? Because you can't have physical health without mental health. So if you're teaching them about the fit, you know, about the body, you have to address the brain. Mm -hmm. So it's exciting when you hear states like California and New York, where they're saying this has to be part of the curriculum in the classroom, but the majority of states, it's not. So it's a gap. Um, and so, you know, and, and parents are busy, you know, we live in a technology filled world where, parents are just as much guilty on being on their devices as their children are. That's true. So we're disconnected, right? Yeah, so I think that there's such an opportunity to do more for our youth. And honestly, we can raise a generation where there is no stigma. If we, if we teach them young that the brain is just another organ and it's not something that you should be embarrassed about, you should know when you're not, when you are not feeling well and you should have the courage to raise your hand and get support. Um, And there should be nothing there, right? Like there should be nothing there. It should be like, okay, I hurt my ankle. I hurt my brain. Let's just get some help, you know? 
Yeah, I agree a hundred percent because, you know, the more you're able to express yourself, the more you help you can get, the more you're able to say, okay, this is what happening in my life right now. So Michelle, you have created a children's program called Perfect Just the Way You Are. And I love, I absolutely love the name. <laughs> so tell me, <laughs> share with me more about this program and tell me about the name. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. So, so this program was created out of my own desire to make a difference for youth around two areas, which was um, the childhood obesity epidemic and then the bullying, which all stems around self-esteem and self-love. So um, it was originally created um, several years ago and the company, the Fortune 500 company I was with at the time, actually gave it its legs to pilot it in the community. And so over the course of the past, what, five, four or five years, we reached 2,000 children. And basically it was designed to teach children how to nourish their body, how to nourish their mind and give them leadership and diversity training. Yeah. So and what it morphed into, so that was like the whole body experience, what it morphed into that I'm super excited about is it's now a mental health wellness fair. Nice. So schools that don't have a curriculum or aren't able to spend time on mental well-being and emotions and feelings and all of the soft stuff that's so important, yes. you know, you could take this program, drop it in a middle school, you could have every child rotate through this health fair and get some really valuable tools, resources, and information on just their own mental well-being. Um, so I'm really excited to see this this program expand into other middle schools. Yes, I am excited. I'm excited about the wellness fair. So, um, where have it? You have you know have you ever? Um, I should say how many wellness fair have you done so far? And you know when is the upcoming one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm in several, I have several conversations underway with different, um, with different either partners or schools around bringing it to other local, because I live in New Jersey. So it's yes. locally in New Jersey, but we have okay. run it in Pennsylvania and New York. Um, we did run the mental health fair one time and we ran the, um, the total body program as a health fair one time nice. as well. But prior to that, it was an after school enrichment program, okay. but we, were, we weren't reaching as many kids. And I thought this is such a great opportunity to reach the broader population. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of why it evolved. Nice. I, I love it. I love it so much. I love mm -hmm. the youths. It's one of my passion. I am yeah. actually, <laughs> I have a company called for change people, which is dedicated to youths here in Vegas. So I awesome. am so passionate to hear this right now. So walk us through some of your other programs that you have. Sure. Sure. It. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's exciting. I um, recently just finished uh, my 19 year career within the pharmaceutical industry and I was kind of at this turning point, like, what do I do? Right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. my, for the past several years, I've been entrenched in mental health, but that was never my first role. I had another job and that was the job that I was working full time. So now what I've decided is to take this passion and turn it into something where I can dedicate my full energy. So I've created, um, a mental health company. Um, and so I have a couple of different offerings that I, that I offer. First of all, as a child caregiver, I know firsthand what it's like to deal with a, someone with a mental illness. It can be incredibly punishing yeah. and challenging. So I'm offering coaching for caregivers. I have a, um, like you mentioned, I have the children's program that's available to any schools that are interested in bringing a, like a fun mental health wellness fair to the kids. Yes. Um, I also 
would love to talk to companies because I think the biggest challenge we have is getting companies to recognize that the last piece of the diversity puzzle is truly the inclusion of those living with invisible disabilities. Yes, I know. So if, if we're willing to help our, our you know, colleagues with physical disabilities by putting in ramps and helping them have accessible work conditions, we should be doing the same thing for people with mental illness. Mm -hmm. So what I love to do is talk to companies, talk to the diversity folks, talk to the health and well-being folks about a strategy that they can create and programs that they can bring in to educate the people leaders. Um, but there's this other program that, I, that I'm, I'm working with a company in Canada that I am absolutely head over heels for. Yeah. And it's a peer-to-peer -peer based program where you take employees within the organization who have had lived mental health experience, they've mm -hmm. navigated it successfully, yeah. and you, you basically are building a support community these, these people do not replace therapists, but what they are are people with lived experience who've, who've made it through, navigated yes. it, and then can serve as a support mechanism for colleagues. That's true. So I love it. I love yeah. it. You basically, you know, we, we go in, we train the, the folks who are interested, and then they're there serving their own colleagues. And I just think that that's such a great asset for any organization. Yeah, I think it is because, you know what, once you experience it, you're able to teach it to someone, you know, you're able to, yeah. Give it yeah. And you can have a peer all day long listening to you and wanting to support you and tell you it's okay. But until the barrier is removed in that they've lived where that person is, yeah, it's a very different paradigm than someone just genuinely wanting to help versus someone who's been there and has yes. a depth of empathy that they can relate to them. Yeah, that's so true. So your book, Breaking Into Life, um, share with us um, your book and um, give us the backstory of it. So yeah, so, well, thanks for asking. So um, that's where this whole thing started and who knew, right? Um, so it took me four years to write the book. I got very connected to my story when I told my story on the TED stage and people came up to me and were like, wow, you just courageously shared that. And I can really, and I know someone with a mental illness or that was my childhood. And it got me really clear that I needed to write my book. And while I was writing it over the four years, it was incredibly cathartic to kind of relive the experiences with my mom. You know, yeah. some, some were emotional, some were abusive, some were, you know, just really traumatic. Mm -hmm. um, but when I came out, from writing that, I, I realized that this is such a valuable book in helping people who have had no relationship to mental health, like start to see and have it be humanized for them, that it's nothing to fear. It's just something to understand. So I started to use the book as a vehicle to really humanize mental health and have people yeah. understand it. Um, and so it's a recount of my experience. It's how loving my mom shaped my life even yes. into the woman that I am today at my age, how it still yes. affects me. Yeah. But, um, but most importantly, it's not, a, it's not a sad story. It's a story of perseverance and triumph because I wanted to leave the reader with hope that no matter what's happened to you in your past, you have the ability to break through it mm -hmm. and create a beautiful future. Yeah. And that's something I've been able to do is basically take lemons and make lemonade. Nice, nice. Yeah, take the lemon and make lemonade. I like that. Um, so your book, Breaking um, Into Life, is available on Amazon, right? Yeah, Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. 
barnesandnoble.com. Awesome. So if there's one thing you could share with someone who might be going through the same experience that you're, you have faced, you know, with your mom and they had to be a caregiver right now, what's yeah. one thing you will tell them to do or to just keep holding on to while they're in that, you know, position right now? Oh, absolutely. I think the biggest thing that I would want them to know is that, first of all, they're a generous, beautiful soul to want to care for their loved one. Yeah. I mean, there's a genuine, there's a genuine love and care there and not too many people are willing to take that on, but them taking it on is amazing. But the challenge that we all have as caregivers is we get lost in caring for other people. Yeah. And when we do, and we don't take care of ourselves, then we can't take care of anybody else. So it's the old oxygen mask. Put the oxygen mask on yourself before you help other people. Do what you need to, to keep yourself balanced and well, um, so you can show up the best version of yourself for yourself and for your loved one. Yes, I love it. Is there any strategy that you use personally for yourself to just keep yourself and your mindset, you know, in a positive area so that you don't fall back into a depressive state? Is there anything that you do? Yeah, personally? I have to, I have to say it. It's definitely exercise. It's definitely movement. It's um, the endorphins that you feel when you work out. It's definitely, yeah. you know, if I'm having a bad day, I'll go for a run or I'll hop on my bike and ride. I think that exercise is everything. And, and when I start to go in my head and I start to, to really like, you know, you know, just over, over analyze things to the yeah. point where I'm just totally depressed. Mm -hmm. I know that I need to either go outside for a walk or just get exercising because that m does make a difference for me or even cancel an appointment and take care of myself. If that yeah. means like, you know what, like I'm supposed to show up with a smile on for dinner and you know what, that doesn't work for me. Just giving myself the permission to just be like, I'm going to take care of myself yeah. and it's okay. Yeah. I like that. Take care of yourself, you know, cancel the appointment. If you're not going to feel up to the, you know, the, the paw to go, you know, in that moment, yeah. to that area, just cancel it and take care of yourself, which is an important thing. I feel like so many people, we forget to take care of yourself, as you mentioned. So, you know, take care of yourself. So share with us your website. If mm -hmm. you're on any social media um, um, outlet, share with us where we can find you. <laughs> sure, sure. So my website is um, michelledickinson.com. Um, and that you can get access to my book there. You can also get access to the programs that I mentioned. Um, I'm definitely on um, Instagram. I'm Michelle Dickinson 71. You can follow me. I'm always posting important um, facts about mental health, mental health in the workplace. Um, I love to share, you know, podcasts and things that I do um, to raise awareness so nice. definitely follow me there and reach out to me. I'd love to hear from people. If there's anything I can do to help you, you know, one of the things I'm starting is in my own community, I started a meetup to pull together people who want to be change agents within their company, but they don't know how to address it with their HR person. So I really want to empower people to bring change to their workplace for, for themselves or for, for their colleagues. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation and empower people to do that. 
Nice, and I'm happy that you joined in today and, you know, talk with us about um, mental health, which is very important. And, you know, as more and more people are talking about it, I find that more and more people are sharing, you know, their experience and what they have gone through. So thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks again for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode of For Change Be Bold. You can keep the conversation going by following me on any of my Instagram page at For Change Be Bold Podcast or at For Change Be Bold. Until next week, have a beautiful Friday.